Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We usually give you the intro that it's a passionate and lighthearted look at the world of sports, and we usually do that. I don't know, quite frankly, how lighthearted today's particular program is going to be. Thursday version of the morning, the morning break, Thursday version of the two guys at a mic show here on the TalkZone.com. Coach of the Big Dog with you, David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the line. We'll talk sports and more as we are wont to do here on the two guys at a mic show. Back in a sec. Let us not forget, by the way, in the uh, midst of the Pennsylvania State University scandal that uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day, Big Dog. I do not want that to be lost. We have a great tradition between you and me, Dog, and we are nearing our 10th anniversary together. I know David Olson, General Manager Chris Whitting, planning a tremendous party for us, I'm sure, and they've done a phenomenal job of keeping it a secret, but I haven't heard a thing about it, but... What day? <laughs> well, you're approaching your 10th anniversary. Yes. Not only that, you're approaching your 500th show on Talk Zone. Really? Yep. Wow. 500 shows. Yep. Oh boy. I'll have I I, gotta, I'll have to look and tell you exactly when it's going to be. But it's going to be within the next month. I got to let that one set in. But uh, more importantly, Bid, though, we don't want to forget. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. You and me have a great tradition. I believe we typically call it our salute. To the troop show, and uh, you are the lead there, and I uh, fully expect you to come um, ready and loaded. Pardon the pun tomorrow. How are you, buddy? Uh, I, I will be ready and loaded tomorrow morning because I will be out tonight. There's no question about that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I will have uh, I will have plenty of stuff for you yep. tomorrow uh, about the veterans. Maybe something about my boy Sergeant Roy. Oh, excuse me, Captain Roy, who's coming home, which is cool. He's been over in Iraq for the last eight years. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my boy Joe Hogan is extremely happy that he'll be back. So everybody's happy, not just us. So, yeah, I'd be more than happy to, okay. to talk about the veterans tomorrow. And, Coach, you said we can't be lighthearted today. I will try. Well, I didn't say we can't be. I said we just might not be as lighthearted as usual. I, I am going to figure out how to say a couple funny things about this paternal situation without being tasteless. Do you think I'll get, do you think I can actually do it? Can I pull it off? Yeah, can I think so. To the whole show. I can think I so. The whole show? I have, okay. I have complete confidence you'll find a way to do it, and you'll do it in a very sensitive and tasteful way. Where's the laugh track when we need it? Uh, you want to chime in on it? Obviously, Pennsylvania State University, the Penn State firing of Joe Paterno, the whole controversy, a primary source of discussion. We won't do it the whole day, but uh, it's right out there for you. One of the bigger, unfortunately, one of the bigger sports stories in recent memory. Our phone number here, 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748, Big Dog, 10 o'clock last night, or the whereabouts they did uh, fire. Release on the spot, Joe Paterno, and the school president, Graham, I believe, Spanier is his last name. And uh, most people seem to think, I'm going to assume you are too, that that was not only the correct, but really the only thing the Board of Trustees could do at this point. You know what? It was funny. is before the decision, because I think I said it on the show yesterday, I was like, you know, I think, you know, I think they should fire him. You know, I really wasn't sure what they should do. And as soon as they fired him, like right when I, because, you know, I'm watching Ultimate Fighter and Cloudy's channel, there's a press conference. You know, so I changed the channel. 
And immediately right when they said they fired him, or like he was no longer there, and then I, you heard all the freaking idiot goons from Penn State yelling well, at, at, at Sermon while he's speaking. Yeah, not all. Let's make yeah, sure when we talk about the riots, yeah, let's make sure Penn State University is a very proud, long-standing tradition, great people, both teachers, administrators, and students. They're a small minority, Big Dog. No, I'm, I'm going to get back to that comment there in a second. That's that's whatever on that comment. I'll stand like, by it. When he, when he said that, it was like, it just, yeah, it felt right. It felt like, yes, they, Penn State did the right thing. And I think it just felt it instantly right when he said it was done. It's funny. It's like I needed to actually happen when it done. was done. I was like, yeah, they did the right thing. And a small minority coach. Yes. There was over two thousand kids on their campus acting like complete idiots. Uh, you can say small minority. I don't know how. What? There's forty six thousand students at Penn State. So you can say one out of every twenty three was out there flipping cars and acting like idiots. Mm-hmm. But that's way too much. Listen, and I'm not even about to start getting into the, the people who represent Penn State. I've never seen a university, a football program fall so quickly. When you think about the, the possibility of the amount they tried to cover this up and hush it and just say, hey, this is not our problem. Let's, let's just not have to deal with it. You know, I'm really getting more and more disgusted and worked up by it. And I'm going to make you this promise, Coach. Honestly, I, mean, I, I want you to hear this. I don't want to sit here and be some guy that's just blabbing on and on, oh, they were wrong, and it's so easy to pile on somebody when they obviously did something so blatant as turn their eye to child children being raped. But I will promise you, the rest of my life, if I ever see anybody being bullied, and I can't think of any more worse thing than pedophilia is bullying somebody, I mean, that's to the, obviously to the ultimate degree of it. Mm-hmm. I will always stand up and do what's right in those situations. I'm not just sitting here saying he should have investigated more. I truly, truly in my heart believe that and will always do that my whole entire life. It's a good point. Do you think, uh, you know, that a little bit of good can in fact come out of this, that people will, not just yourself, but a lot of people will become more aware, more disgusted of the situation and therefore open their eyes a little bit more, be looking for things a little bit more, and if they see it, Act to it, so maybe a touch of good will come out of this in the long run. Yeah, as Cloudy are sitting with our mouths open last night as they're revealing more of the stuff. Okay, somebody on that is like, "There's no silver lining. There's nothing good that you can find out of this." And the guy immediately said, "What if somebody now realizes that I have to come forward? Yep. I can't. I can no longer stay quiet about some animal that I know is going to lose." Think about this, coach. If you really think, okay, now it went from eight to seventeen victims. It's already up. Now there's seven. There's nine people have come forward in the last two days. That I have not heard. All I heard was that a ninth, an alleged ninth person. And don't forget, once the story becomes big now, people can all, you know, you, you got to be careful now that it's a public story of who's, you know, who's for real and who's not. But I only heard a ninth. You've heard it's up okay. to 17? Yeah, okay. That's what I just read this morning. Okay. Now that are people that have come forward and now they're going to have to obviously investigate these people. Okay, so we'll just say nine. Those are nine kids that didn't say a word to anybody for years. Okay, Coach, think about that. So obviously it's the type of thing when you're getting bullied like that, you don't tell people. Mm-hmm. Kids don't, you know, you can tell a kid all the time, if someone's doing something wrong with you, you need to tell us. It's not your fault. It's okay. We'll help you. Okay, we can say that all the time to kids. There were nine kids that kept their mouth shut the whole entire time. 
So there abuse could be going on, and you have no idea. If one day your kid is a happy-go-lucky kid, and the next day your kid is like quiet, reserved, and doesn't want to do anything, you got to figure out what happened to your kid. It, it's just, this whole level is disgust, so disgusting, Coach. And I think about this thing, this Mike McCurry kid. Okay, he walks in, and according to grand jury testimony, he sees him raping this 10-year-old boy. The boy sees it. And Sandusky sees it, McCurry sees him, and nothing is done. This kid is like, oh, finally, somebody can help me. I'm getting raped by this old geezer over 20 times. Now the guy sees me getting raped by him. Maybe I can finally get some help, and he does not help him. Think about how that kid feels. Yep. Goes to his, uh, you know, and it, it, people are saying he should have stopped it immediately, and he should have. You're in shock at that time. It's, you know, an icon. I could almost forgive him for maybe not immediately. Maybe they stopped the act once they saw him, and then he goes to his father. But, you know, the next day, once you've settled a little bit and have a chance to go thought processes to not uh, contact the police is just absolutely inexcusable. How about uh, McCurry's father? You know, he should have told him. Right? He was the first guy to hear about it from a young, you know, graduate assistant. The father's got to have some blame in here, too. Blame to pass around for a lot of people. And, and, and you know, okay, so right there, we, we know right there those those two people are wrong. Obviously, Sandusky obviously is is, is wrong. And the, the, I mean, what the thing is, of course, how much did the Penn State, uh, like, program try to cover it up? That's, that's the whole question now. Was it, was it, like... They really just try to hush it up and not have anybody find out about it, which is what it obviously is at the least. Okay, that's what it is obviously right. at the least. Or is it like some massive McCreary? You'll have your almost. We'll give you an assistant coach's job. You just shut up about yeah, it. That's an so, interesting. I mean, if it, if it gets into that way, coach, yep. oh my goodness. Yeah, there, there. Oh, you're, you're. That's an interesting way. You, you delve a little bit deeper. Was it just sort of an uh, ignoring and not, you know, complete? evil cover-up, but just it, it doesn't make it more it excusable, make it but it's a different way of looking. They just kind of ignored it and let it play out. Hopefully it wouldn't get worse. Or was there some kind of uh, definite contrived cover-up, you know, obviously putting other kids at risk? So there's, and I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to that, but uh, it is two different approaches, one more evil than the other. And uh, do you want to hear the worst thing about this coach is in 1998, two police officers uh, eavesdrop on a telephone call between Jerry Sandusky and a woman, and Sandusky admitted, I was like, I wish I was dead. Yep. I should never have done that to your son. And they still, the, the cops didn't even press charges. This is before the, the 2000, this is four years before the yep. 2000. He is still a defensive coordinator at Penn State when this is going on. So many times he could have been stopped. I, I don't know the fact that he's doing it in the shower at Penn State, where anybody could have walked in, is that maybe, uh, you know, I don't want to play, you know, super psychologist here, but, you know, he's hoping to get discovered. He's hoping somebody will stop him. I mean, obviously the guy's got a sickness. Maybe he wanted to be caught. Maybe not just a 10-year-old kid, but maybe Jerry Sandusky himself, Big Dog, was expecting Mike McCreary to call the police and stop him because he couldn't stop himself. How's that for some psychosis? Well, that's... Wow. Well, when you're talking about the individual sick enough to... Do that. I mean, the, the whole kind of, you know. I don't know, Coach. You, you might be right about that because I, I can't even. I have no idea how the brain works and how crazy people can turn into that way. How mm-hmm. their brain would possibly work. So you, you might be, you know, hit the nail right on the head. The problem was, uh, how many victims are there after that? And they're yeah. uh, according to different 
things that I've heard, there's anywhere between uh, two to eight new victims that happen after 2002. Now, have you heard, you know, and David Olson, I almost hesitate to bring this up to Big Doug because he might attack somebody or get over emotional here, you know, settle yourself down. But the new allegation is, and this was brought up a while ago and was kind of poo-pooed, but now that the first story is coming out, people are checking into the second story, and that is Big Dog, that Jerry Sandusky was actually running, uh, the word they're using in quotes now, a pimping form for uh, two wealthy individuals for young kids. In fact, you know, farming these kids out. Might not be true, but that's the most recent allegation. Obviously, if that comes up, we go from horrible to whatever is three steps beyond horrible. No, uh there's there's a guy that I've been following on Twitter. This guy seems to be freaking everywhere. Okay, I'll get you his exact handle. Last night, he's uh, tweeting, "Hey, they're flipping a car right now. They're flipping a news truck." Uh, he was outside, and then he and the right when it was before that, he was like, "Tomorrow there will be details revealed about the death of Sandusky's depravity that will be absolutely horrific." And then like five minutes later, he flipped. He talked about flipping the news truck. So. And he's like, he's gonna, and he's gonna break it. So I need to read what this guy is on it today. So if if it's that bad, coach, oh my goodness, like Penn State will lose their football program. Yeah, you know, David Olson, David Olson brought that up too. I'm not ready to go there yet. Uh, Obviously, you know, things, certain things come out where where the tentacles, you know, extend way into the football program. That is possible, but. You know, I'm not ready to, you know, cancel the football no, no, program. Neither am I. No, neither am I. But, okay. uh, Coach, if you uh, – I did not say let's do it, but there's definitely a possibility if the university was so intent on keeping their cash cow with their football program pristine by covering up a pedophile, you lose your football program, okay? But let's – got to think of it that way. They – it's a, if it wasn't like a money-making thing, it was a – for some reason, I, I could somehow get away with it, but I can just see these people running the university trying to figure out, like, financially. You know how, like, when a when a, a car has a problem with a brake line mm-hmm. and the people that are in the top of the corporation, they get a bunch of nerds to figure out whether whether or not a recall will be more expensive than paying out the lawsuits for the amount of people that will die for you not doing the, the, what do you call it, the recall on your brake line. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So now they probably looked at it like, okay, well, we got this pedophile on here. We did our job of getting him off campus, and we, we followed protocol and alerted the uh, right people, or maybe they didn't, because then we have to figure that out. And so we have to make sure this totally stays quiet, because um, in the long run, we can either fire him now and take a hit, blah, 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 or if you know, it'll cost us so much to keep this quiet and hopefully never anybody finds out about it. I hate to tell you, Coach, money was probably a part of the thinking process when these guys were deciding what to do back in '02 when they found out about it. Mm-hmm. That's how sick it is. Seriously, all you have to do right then is, you know, right, think about it right now. I'm sure all these guys would like to do it. If Mike McCurry, right when he sees it, runs up, knocks Sandusky out, grabs that kid, runs out, and, and was like, I just found out a guy that I truly respected was raping a boy. I don't even know how to handle it. But all of a sudden, yes, Penn State gets this massive black eye. And then everybody realizes that, you know, maybe your next-door neighbor could be the pedophile. You know, it, it happens. Stuff like this happens. Yeah. And 
uh, you could you're, it could be your best friend that you have no idea about it. But when it happens, you have to stand up to these people and end yeah. it and squelch it immediately. Black, that that black eye would have been uh, very well healed by now. And in fact, yeah. uh, continuing with the analogy, their vision would probably be even better. Yes, you're absolutely but, right. And I'm Coach. sure Mike McCreary is probably wishing he took that a particular approach too. Very very sad situation. Um, Big Doe, what do you think uh, practices were like? At Penn State this week, can you even imagine, you know, a preparation for Nebraska for a game? How did the coaches handle it? Any idea, or if you were a Coach Radwanski in that situation, and you were one of the guys in charge, how do you handle practice and approaching it with the players that are currently on the ball club? Uh, they have one option, Coach. You know, they've been told their whole way, you got to do it the Penn State way. You have to have character. You have to, you know... Uh, not back down and all that other stuff. Well, that's how they have to do it. They have to go on and they have to continue to play. And they have, and they, there's only one way they can play, and that is together as a team and fight through it this way. So, if they can't count on themselves, if they can't count on their teammates, and if if your teammate can't count on you to go out there and give it everything you have, then mm-hmm. then maybe this whole Penn State way was nothing but a farce in the first place. Probably a lot less game planning and all that, you know, and film work stuff, and hopefully the coaches. Well, you talk about making it a learning situation that's, you know, it almost sounds trite and something like this. I think the approach I would take, Big Dog, if I were coaching there, everything you said is exactly correct. Uh, you know, it's, you, this is going to build some character here, guys. we got to fight through a tough situation. But I think I would tell them that, hey, you know, people are going to be talking this for a while. You're going to look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and, you know, you were in this situation. It's not something we want to be. It's not something good. But you're going to be remembering back, and people will be remembering back, how we handled it as a team and how you handled it. This is going to last for a long time. Okay? So let's make sure we handle it, you know, properly as best we can, stick together all the good things you say. Because this will, uh, this will, this particular game and the way they handle it, I think will be something they remember for a long time. Coach, well, that was, you're, you're exactly right. You put it in perspective for these kids immediately. Yep. So yeah, this is something that, Obviously, you don't want it to be any part of, but you're going to be judged by how you handle this, no matter how you Mm -hmm. like it or not. It's part of life. Sometimes life deals you a really, really bad blow. And you get all these seniors, you know, trying to play for, trying to get to the Rose Bowl and doing it the Penn State way, and then they find out that this has occurred to them. I can't even imagine how devastating it would be to, like, Mm -hmm. a senior at Penn State right now. There is one Penn State player, I believe he emailed, like, 800. Alumni. I don't know how he got the uh, you know the email addresses. Maybe administration helped him, and he is encouraging as many ex Penn State football players to show up to the game Saturday. Awesome. It is at what used to be Happy Valley to be on the sidelines, not in you know. It doesn't mean they're supporting what happened or anything, but just to support the kids in the program. Getting a little bit of criticism, I think it's a pretty cool thing. I would encourage any of our. Penn State football playing alumni listening to the show. I think that would be pretty cool if they're on the sideline in support of the kids that are caught in the middle of this hailstorm. Yeah, obviously the most important thing is the victims in this situation. Coach. Yes, but it doesn't mean the the football, the Penn State players, the football current players should not go about their lives. That's they have nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing to do with this. I mean, these poor guys are being exposed to Jerry Sandusky two weeks ago. He was in the weight room talking to people. Ugh. Well, two weeks ago, many of these guys, Jerry Sandusky was, you know, for a lot of them, you you know, who were top five most influential people in your life, and they would list, hey, 
My defensive coach, Jerry Sandusky, phenomenal football coach, great motivator, ran a charitable program. So here's one of your top five mentors in your life. And all of a sudden it comes crashing down, not gradually, but in one shocking uh, revelation. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong, David Olson, Jerry Sandusky is still pleading or, uh, I don't know, pleading innocence is the correct word, but he is not admitting guilt. He is saying he's not guilty, correct? Yes. Well, that was his previous statement. He hasn't made a statement since the one that he made, like, right after, like, November 5th or November 6th. Okay. So that's kind of odd. Maybe, Why is that may- odd? Well, it's kind of odd. No, 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 no. He's lawyering up, and he's huh? hunkering. No, no, no. He's hunkering down. Yeah. He's hunkering he's down for the storm. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, when they kept asking him, are you are you saying that you did or you didn't do it? He's like, I will I, I will not speak because of, okay. of the of the trial and all that. So yeah, okay. he's he did everything that would totally tell me he's yeah exactly he's buckling up and hunkering okay. down and getting getting all lawyered up, coach. Got gotcha. you. So, so he's he's not going Herman Cain where you know I absolutely did not do this completely deny allegations. I didn't think so, but that's that's not what Jerry Sandusky's doing. No, not at okay. all. Okay. Interesting. 888-463-6748. You want to comment on the uh, Penn State situation? Love to hear from you, Coach, and the big dog here in a not-so-jovial sports day. Um, one topic I wanted to bring out to you, big dog. Well, we got to talk about the riots a little bit and, and that. But I also uh, was trying to think of great sports icons who have come crashing down in a short period of time. And obviously Joe Paterno is going to be on the top of that list, but are there, are there kind of mind-blanking, quite frankly, but who are some others that uh, came crashing rather quickly? Yeah, it's funny you said it, because Claudia and I are sitting like some of the same guy brought up a bunch of good like thoughts about historically uh, like yesterday, and uh, when he said that, he's like, nothing rivals this in comparison, and I'm like, O.J. Simpson murdered. Yeah, there you go. A, a waiter and his wife. I mean, come yes. on. And that, that came out of nowhere. That's a great comparison to this, because it went from Huge football star, charismatic actor, great smile, and all of a sudden, and just like, boom, the next thing we know, we're hearing about murder and the guys in a white Bronco. So that's a great example. I was trying to think, like, you know, Pete Rose, but there wasn't really... You're right. Pete Rose is up there in terms of, well, you know what? It was shocking. Oh, my goodness. He was betting on, you know, on baseball, and then it was like, after like two or three years, you realize that mm-hmm. Pete Rose is just a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like how it how it it wasn't as dramatic as OJ yeah. and and Penn State or, or sudden or sudden. It exactly. wasn't as and, and, I, and I don't want to just call it Paterno. I want to call it the whole Penn State because I know Penn. When you say Penn State, you say Joe Paterno anyway. But he wasn't the only one turning a blind eye to this. Oh okay? no, absolutely. You know what I mean? So like when I, I, everyone's calling the Paterno scandal all of a sudden, I'm like, are you really? Yeah. I mean, it's beyond just Paterno. Oh, no, I mean, the people we already know, you got an athletic director, you got the assistant uh, president, the, the guy in charge of business, what was his name? Uh, not Curly was the AD, I'm forgetting the... I forget the other guy's heavy, name. set guy, Schultz maybe, but uh, now you got the president of the university resigning, so he, oh, yeah, it's digging deep, going much beyond Joe Paterno. He is just one of many. If you take the whole football icon coaching thing away, he's just one of many in... Uh, in a very guilty situation, unfortunately. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Uh, trying to think of other sports icons who have who have fallen so dramatically. It wasn't wasn't Barbaro, the great horse, when they found out he might have uh, sired a couple of females right before the Kentucky Derby, Big Dog? 
Uh, no, that was that was okay though. They, no, okay. no one had any problem with that except for the the owners because they didn't get the stud servicing fee, which was really <laughs> that was, that's, that's like one hundred and fifty grand to yep. five hundred thousand a pop. I was shocked after betting on Barbara, one of the great horses, to find out right the day, the night before the race. Night before the race, he's skipping barns and getting frisky with the female fools. And, very, and you know, very upsetting. You know what they say, mares weak in legs. And look what happened the next day, Coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. The next day, Barbaro. Yep, there you go. Like there you go. Now, uh, it, it was funny that you brought up horses because that was, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Now, when you talk about in terms, obviously, we don't think of of Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds I, or Sammy Sosa as criminal. Yep. But in terms of just the deflation of them being like this yep. demagogue of like this, the ultimate slugger to, oh, you're just the guy all puffed up on roids. Mm-hmm. When McGuire did the, the, the hearings, him and Sosa just like fell that day. And then the whole thing coming out when Bonds was like putting on the cream. I didn't know I was putting steroids in my system. I had no idea. Okay, Barry. So, yeah. I mean, I, that's a different type of disgrace. We're not talking about, like, the type of guy where, like, I, I wouldn't want Joe Paterno in my house right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, like that's how, like, disgusted I am with the guy, like, as a human being. Not as, like, a cheating athlete who I can kind of understand getting by. We're talking about a guy who lived to a certain standard and acted and, and spoke in a way that you got to be, like, a man of great integrity and character and you can't cheat and all that other stuff, well, but then you should live that way. And now you've been exposed that you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had written down uh, the whole McGuire and bon, uh, Barry Bond, Sammy Sosa thing, too. That's somewhat equivalent because they were as, as charismatic, as high on the uh-huh. hog, if you will, in the world of sports as you could possibly be. And, again, the suddenness of this, not quite, but, boy, you talk about come crashing down where you don't hear of Sammy Sosa anymore. Mark McGuire disappeared, and now he's a very, you know, low-lying batting coach for your world champion, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. How about one of our emailers sends in uh, Rash in the back? Rash in the back. We haven't heard from Rash in a while. Uh, Rash suggests, and I don't know the history here, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the Black Sox scandal or the White Sox scandal? Wow, that's a great call. Did... A great call. Because, yeah, you went from, like, Shoeless Joe Jackson, <laughs> without question, yeah. one of the top ten most famous athletes on the planet in 1919, Coach. Okay? Because if you think about it, he's in the top five baseball players, and baseball players in America were everything at that point. So, and that was before, like, the whole, like, the 1920s, like Bobby Jones and Babe Ruth and all that. Mm-hmm. that that's a good call because, like, they threw the World Series. Shoeless Joe, the greatest hitter in the American League. You know, so that's a... Not a bad call. Rash in the back just texts it in. Tell Joel thanks, and uh, can he suggest any ointment? Again, that's coming from Rash in the back. Hydrocortisone is so good. It works on so many different <laughs> things, though. Okay, and, and you know what the best thing about hydrocortisone? It doesn't have any smell to it. What, what's it called again? Hydrocortisone. Hydrocortisone. Okay. You just go out there and get the... the is that over-the-counter? Yeah, just go to Walgreens, okay. and you can get it. It doesn't come in any fancy package. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have, like, pink, like, highlights on it and a flash of light that says cures everything. It's just in a nice, boring package, hydrocortisone. Okay. So. Very good. Nicely done. I'm sure Rash in the Back appreciates that. You want to send emails to the uh, coach and the big dog, you can get more advice, have your questions answered. God forbid, get a compliment from the big dog like Rash did. You can uh, send those in to Mike, two guys at AOL.com, M-I-C and the number two, Mike, two. 
guys, AOL.com. You can always text us at 847-542-4695 as well. Or take text as well, big dog. Uh, what about the, uh, now you seem to be firing on the 2,000 plus rioters last night. Let's talk about that. How many of them were, uh, semi inebriated, do you think, big dog? Maybe not. It was probably just college kids getting caught up into it, but, uh, Probably a lot of those guys are going to regret that maybe a week, two weeks, five years, ten years later. Yeah, I just want to show Stuart Scott asked that exact question last night at about 10.25 uh, Central Time. As to how many people are uh, have been imbibing, he asked that question to Tom Ferry, who had just been hit by a rock by one of the Penn State Revelers. Oh, boy. I'm going to call him Reveler because I watched it. And they didn't look like they were demonstrating. It looked like they were partying. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not kidding you, Coach. Uh, and he said uh, only a small, small percentage of the people that were in the streets running around acting a fool had alcohol with them. But he said there were many of the, of the fraternities aligned along the campus that where the, the, the crowd came from, that where the people were, like, drinking out in front of the, the buildings. Did you say stuff. fraternities? Fraternities, yeah. Actually, at Penn State, they are known as, uh, t- uh, dedication to accuracy, paterno tees. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. I'm sorry, Coach. I did, I, I did not realize that. And I blame uh, Tom Ferry <laughs> for, that, for the for the wrong information about yeah. that particular one. So yeah. it, it was pretty funny because they were... He he was no longer near the riot part where they, he was talking, right? And and the steward's like, well, why, why aren't you over where the action is? He's like, I think we got enough footage to... <laughs> Because they busted out the tear gas. Like, oh, it was pretty funny. Though. I was uh, watching. Like, uh, I had watched like, I'm the. Sorry. I'm What's sorry, that? but I've never been in a riot before. He was like, he apologized because he ran from all the people. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hey, mom, look, a part of a riot. No, I'm a real college kid. I had just watched the uh, Republican debates. Being the political pundit, you know, David Olson has taken over that role, but uh, quite frankly, David's slipping a little bit. So I'm starting to take over that role. Let and, him uh, pick football games, coach. Let him pick football games. Yeah, okay. exactly. You know, I, hey, Joe Paterno could get fired. He's an icon. David Olson, our producer, an icon around here. Hopefully, he realizes now, our producer Dave Olson, that nobody's safe. He continues uh, ignoring some of his responsibilities here. You know, we'll fire his <laughs> ass as well, and we'll make him just a football predictor. But anyhow, so I'm watching the Republican debate. It had ended. And then I'm um, switching back and forth between MSNBC and uh, the Fox channel, uh, channel 66, which, of course, two different takes on it. But on MSNBC, they bring in Michael Moore to talk about the Republican debate. I love this guy, Michael Moore, who t- gets a lot of abuse. But all of a sudden, they interrupt at that time to bring you the Penn State story, which I thought was kind of cool, on MSNBC. And they go right to the press conference, and, and they start, and he's, uh, I think it's, what's his name, Lawrence O'Connell? who was the host, and he's asking Mike Moore about the Penn State situation and questions there. Michael Moore was, uh, let's just say it's not his expertise. He handled it pretty well, but it was kind of an uncomfortable situation because the guy came on to discuss the Republican debates, and next thing he knows, he's talking about a sex scandal with Joe Paterno. No, not Joe Paterno. I take that back. Sex scandal with the Pennsylvania State University. Mike, uh, but he did bring up an interesting point, though. I don't know. Are you a Michael Moore fan? Are you in the middle? or? Uh, I- no, nah, you know what? There's I don't like him. Okay. He seems to like dramatize, like take like one thing and just like yeah. over dramatize. Yeah, uh, to me, my opinion is too bad that there's that ten percent where he you know dramatizes and gets a little wacko, and a lot of people hate him because to me, 
it takes away from the 60 or 70 percent where the guy is right on and he's really intelligent. I happen to really like the guy, but the point he brought up, he compared a big dog. I thought it was a pretty good comparison. He said to the Catholic Church and the way the priests or more likely the bishops, you know, covered it up. He made the point where, hey, some of these priests, the, the priests that were doing this were sick individuals. The bishops, who it was reported to, those bishops were not sick individuals. And he said, I believe the term he used was, they, just like in Penn State, it was the institution covering up, or you're, they were protecting the institution over protecting the individuals. And he said, that's the same thing that happened at Penn State. I thought it was a good comparison. No, that is, that's an excellent comparison to it. And that's why there's probably other, it's probably not just at Penn State. It probably just isn't in the Catholic Church, but if you if you look at the the Catholic Church and Penn State turning a blind eye to this, there were many victims after. Okay, so that that's got to be remembered. That's an excellent comparison, Coach. And as somebody that knows all about the Catholic Church and what they've done to children, because I went to Saint Scholastica School in Woodridge in the 1980s. If anybody wants to look it up, go right ahead. It happens, Coach. Uh, it's an ugly situation. Okay. situation, and people like like the whole silver lining thing that we're talking about. It people need to learn to come forward now and not just let it happen. If you know yep. that it's going on, I know it's uncomfortable, it's horrific, and it might be somebody that everybody sees as happy-go-lucky and a great person, but it needs to end. No question. Now, David Olson. Speaking of it, needs to end. Producer extraordinaire David Olson. Of course, I kidded him earlier, but you you think at least the possibility that the whole Penn State program. Could be shut down for a while? I didn't say it was a possibility, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it would be a bad idea just to close the door on the program for a couple years, clean out the entire stink, and start again fresh, completely fresh, new beginning. Just the football? Just the football, yeah. Because that's that's what the, that's what the taint is. It's around the football program. wonder yeah, how, many, that... how many people are enthused about Penn State basketball right now, Big Dunk? Oh my goodness! It was, it was so funny that you said that they had a televised game last night, and I was like, didn't even—I wanted to—I couldn't even watch it. Yeah. Now, it, it's funny that uh, that Dave says that because just, just consider this: there, there's how many of the recruits have already said no? I'm not going to Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. They've already taken. I mean, we're talking dozens half. Yep. Rick Heckman, my best friend, who's a defensive coordinator, Glenbard West. What's that kid's name? Shotton's. He, he just thought he said he, basically. The Penn State kid no longer is going. Oh, 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 you're talking about Tommy Shot. I forgot about him. Shutt. Yeah, exactly. So there a you go. They six foot two, three hundred and ten pound defensive lineman who has ballet dancer feet mm-hmm. and a streak of meat. Actually, that was the scouting report on him as a junior big dog. You know, heard about this all American guy he can throw this much. Boom, he's the strongest guy, huge guy, phenomenal at the combine. And I watched him play last year. Uh huh. We did two of his games. I think he made one tackle. Way overrated. However, we did a couple of his games this year. Completely different. Now he plays with a streak of mean. Maybe he got a rash in the back. I don't know what happened, but he's, but yeah, you're right. Uh, getting back to your point. Uh, and Tommy Shutt was their, probably their number one recruit. All American, one of the top 10, top 20 defensive players in the country. They will lose a lot of their guys. No question. Yeah. And they, the, the number one, uh, defensive end in the country that was, uh, Hey, it was either it was like his, it was either like Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Penn State. It was like, well, Penn State's off the list. Ooh, is what he put. That's all he did was put ooh. 
Was yeah, uh, Nor- was couple. was Northwestern mentioned at all? Uh, I don't believe that he was in their top twenty. <laughs> Trying to find some find find some good out of this complete disaster. But uh, all right, so it's a boy that that's a long time down the road. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think David is right. It's it's at least a possibility. Now what he said, Big Dog, is he thinks it should happen. What about your thoughts? Too early to tell. Let's. Uh, Let's find out exactly how the cover-up happened. I mean, like, was it, a, like we said, was it a shushing and then, like, a kind of, I know this is a really bad way to say it, because, like, like I said, it is still wrong what I'm saying that they did. It Was it, like, something that kind of turned a blind eye to, or was it something that there was actually an attempt to cover it up? And if, and if it's anything more than just, like, really just people that need to be more educated and, and learn what the heck's going on, okay, that's bad enough. But if they actually covered it up, they deserve to lose their football program, Coach. Because if they were covering it up, they were doing it only for one reason, and that would be for money and monetary reasons. There's no other reason that you could give me that Penn State would cover it up other than to save themselves their biggest cash cow, which is their football program, which you're talking 100,000 people coming into that game, uh, coming into seven games a year, 700,000 people a year coming into that stadium, what that's, I don't know how many million, Coach, $30 million that they're going to make off of that, you know, $50 million. You know, they cannot have a black eye on their, their – the one thing Penn State is known for is football. No matter what you say to anybody, but if you would ask them a week ago, what is Penn State known for? Joe Paterno and the football program. I don't care where you went. Anywhere in the world, that's how they would know about Penn State. Uh, yeah, considering Joe Paterno gets $3.6 million a year and the university president – Earns about four hundred thousand. And how much does the the governor of uh, yeah. Pennsylvania make? Exactly. Two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, we got to get our priorities straight. By the way, I just got a call from Bobby Bowden, ex Florida State coach Bobby Bowden, telling me he will very soon be calling for automatic forfeiture of the last two years of Joe Paterno's reign, and he says uh, that he should be considered the all-time winningest coach in college football. Again, that's coming from my good friend, Bobby Bowden, ex-Florida State coach. He's 32 wins behind Paternos. He's going to have to go back like five years, Coach. I believe Bobby said whatever it takes. Okay. He'll go back as long as he needs to. He's really he's five years behind Jopa? Yeah, because uh, after they after – don't forget, when Bowden – and near the end of his career, he got stripped of a bunch of wins because he was using academic, academically ineligible players. As a matter Which, of fact, he put a guy he put a guy on the on the field that wore the wrong jersey because he didn't know how to spell his last name or what his number was. Who are you so talking about? You talking about number thirty two? <laughs> number thirty two was a fine ball player. I'm sure he went to class. Number thirty two, wonderful mom too. Never met his dad. Love his mom. Yeah, he. I'm sure he went to class. He went to one class, Bobby. He showed up on the day one and waved to all the Oakland. That's a hot chick right over there. Here's my number. What's his name, Bobby? Bobby, who's your halfback? Uh, number 23? Oh, that boy's a wonderful boy, number 23. Uh, oh, all right. Well, so was. This fumble right here, Bobby. Oh, yeah, that was by Lorenzo Washington, that fumble. <laughs> I told Lorenzo. <laughs> if he called you out your name, oh, you knew you were in trouble with Bobby Bobby. It's your name. That was you. Oh, I just really messed up. Hey, Clueless has emailed in. Clueless wants to know uh, how you feel the Nebraska front four's power rush is going to go up against the semi-complicated offensive blocking schemes of Penn State this weekend. Again, that's from Clueless. 
you know that yeah, that's definitely clueless. Uh, you, you know, it's funny that we, you know we were talking about how the the Penn State players how they're gonna how they're gonna react this yeah. week, and I think they're gonna play emotionally on a ridiculously high level. Obviously, the Penn State campus is charged. Okay, These, the best thing that they have coming into them is Nebraska because. I will tell you this, Nebraska's offense is one of the most difficult to stop in college football. Ask Northwestern, they don't even know how they did it. It truly is. But the thing is, it's not that difficult to figure out how to do it. You bow up and you hit people right in the face as hard as you possibly can. Are you surprised okay. they have not uh, taken the point spread off the board? I would think Vegas wouldn't want to touch this, but i got a point spread for you, at least as of now. Um, what is it, Coach? Take a guess. Nebraska at Penn State. I would say it probably has moved. Has it moved? I'll have to look at Vegas Insider tomorrow, and I'll give you all that stats because I was going to take this game. Um, I'm going to say Penn State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Nebraska, three-and-a-half. And, Big Doe, you have never backed down from a challenge. I don't want to put pressure on you because the bottom line is you pick the three games you're most comfortable with. But no, no, as I a teaser for tomorrow, folks, will. Will the Big Dog take the ultimate challenge and in his beat-the-small football picks tomorrow take on? The highly unpredictable Nebraska Penn State game. Stay tuned for more. I will definitely, I am definitely picking that game tomorrow. I will wow. guarantee it's on there. And I'm, I'm, coach, let's face it, I always pick the biggest games in college. I would always, there's every single week I have matchups in the top 25. Last week I did Alabama LSU. I do Oklahoma Texas every <laughs> year. I do Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, Michigan. I, I do Army, Navy. I do every single big game of the year. Auburn, Alabama, every year. You haven't noticed this. I, no, I, I, I'm, that's, I'm disappointed that you have not given me the credit. I just did give you the credit. I've, in the last couple of weeks, I said you would do all the big games. This one is a little bit more than a big game. It's 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 got the incredible unpredictability. So I kind of you know teased and added to it, hoping that you would take the bait, and you did. But I wasn't. I, I fully admitted that. Yeah, you have taken on the challenge of the big games. I give you all the credit for it. I'm sorry, I get fired up. Yeah. Coach. Despite your record of 15 up. and 28, but you do take on the big games. But I, I'm better than 15 <laughs> and 28. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, there are some other legitimate big games out there in college football. How about Oregon? Traveling, I believe it is at Stanford. At, uh, that's going to be must-see TV. I believe that's going to be Saturday night. Maybe Bretton Kirk bringing it to you. Uh, something tells me that Joel Redwanski may be giving you a beat-the-smoke kick wow. in that game also, Woo! Coach. Hard to believe. That's going to be a great game, though. That is going to be a great football game. Possible national championship implications. How about uh, TCU? The Fighting Horned Frog go up against Boise State, Big Dog. That, uh, not many people talking about, but that's a great game. Uh, a phenomenal game. And uh, this is probably the uh, Boise State's best chance of losing until the bowl game. And it's also their best chance to get some. Uh, Little computer come up in a little bit, but this is not your this is not your uncle's TCU. So it's a decent team, not a great team. So Boise State has to handle them, coach, if they really want to pass people and, and be in a shot for national title consideration again. Mm-hmm. All right, your beloved uh, Illinois Fighting Illini. They got a week off. Hopefully, uh, they can perform like the Chicago Bears did with a week off and come up with a little bit of extra pep in their step, if you will, in a great game plan. They're taking on a team you might be familiar with. Uh, they're a small school. I believe they're known as the Michigan Wolverines. Big challenge for the fight in the line. Yeah, I'm a little bit fired up after this game, especially considering uh, Michigan getting beat down by Iowa last week and playing a poor game. Brady Hoke has always been known 
for playing, like, having teams rebound after poor performances. And, and so you think about Brady Hoke in Michigan, what a great job he's doing in his first year. I really like his, his job. But Ron Zook, coach, okay, flat out, I don't want to sit here and, and normally, I, you know, I don't like firing coaches because be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. And, and who knows who your replacement's going to be with that. But let's face it, okay? Right now is a good time for Illinois to fire Ron Zook. There's a coach in Pennsylvania with 409 career victories that is available, coach. <laughs> and I think Illinois needs to make a move and bring him in. Stop. If they fired Ron Zook, there would be like eight people on campus having a riot tonight. Okay, that was my attempt and, to be lighthearted about the paternal situation. <laughs> I attempted it didn't work. I've yet, been waiting 42 minutes for that joke. No, oh, yes, it did. I fully appreciated it. Thank you very much. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, guess the point spread here. Now it's Michigan at Illinois. I'm going to have to say um, Illinois will be a one and a half point favorite. Michigan by one. Okay. Wolverines cool. one point favorite. That's, that's about right. That'll be a pretty good game. Now, Oklahoma State, they uh, right now, if they win out, they're going to play in the national championship game, maybe against uh, the Louisiana State University Tigers. But they're taking on Texas Tech this weekend, Big Dog. Am I wrong, or was Tech not the team that knocked off Oklahoma? Yeah, uh, Oklahoma losing to Texas Tech is one of the big is the biggest upset this year, I think, possibly so far. Honestly, Tommy Tuberville has a, has a, a lot of work cut out for him. And because they beat Oklahoma, I don't think Oklahoma State is going to take them lightly. Okay. And don't forget, Oklahoma State has to listen to their coaches all of a sudden this week because after destroying everybody for the first two months of the season, mm-hmm. they actually had a close game against Kansas State. So I think the whole sneaking up Texas Tech could have possibly done on Oklahoma State is out the window now. And if Oklahoma State's ready, Oklahoma State's going to be – Everybody on their schedule, no problem, except for, obviously, the Sooners. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping they get it done versus Texas Tech so we get that uh, Goliath of a ball game that'll be. Some good college football coming up Saturday. Season winding down. Tomorrow we'll have an official football Friday here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Big Dog and a Coach bringing at you, the top predictor uh, anywhere in the Midwest area. David Olson, our producer, will come out with his highly anticipated uh, beat the Schmoes football picks any three games against the point spread. Tomorrow is Veterans Day also. We will have our annual salute to the troops. Big Dog and a coach bringing it to you. Speaking of Veterans Day, by the way, before we uh, get to a little Bear-Lion matchup, tomorrow, I believe, Dog, in honor of Veterans Day, it'll be North Carolina versus, who's North Carolina play? Michigan State in a college basketball game on the USS Carl Vinson ship. On the coast of San Diego, uh, I was aware of this game. I was not aware it was going to take place tomorrow, actually, on Veterans Day. But pretty cool. Basketball game on a ship, seating for 7,000 people. And I was not aware that my idiot of an acquaintance, Carl Vincent, had a ship name after him. Are you serious? That guy, <laughs> he's a loser. Seriously, Coach. I have no idea who Carl Vincent is and or was, but he does have a ship next to him. In fact... It's the same ship, by coincidence, not by plan, the same ship that they brought Osama bin Laden's body out and dumped him out to sea. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, that's, I got to talk ship. to him about that. He's going to be really proud if he can be coherent at any time. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, uh, I, I love this idea. It's phenomenal, Coach. Uh, right, what a great way to get focused. You know what I mean? A lot of times you would put Michigan State versus North Carolina in a massive arena. You know, you get... 
25,000, about, you know, 10,000 more that you can get in one of their home arenas, but then there's 40,000 empty seats, and it just kind of looks weird. This is cool. I love that. A great idea, college basketball. Yeah. And considering it's the only basketball being played in the United States because uh, Isaiah Thomas destroyed the CBA and the NBA is trying to destroy <laughs> itself. Yes. Okay. We only have a college basketball coach, so I'm watching that wholeheartedly. As well, I'm going to dedicate myself to college basketball, unlike I have in years, even though yep. Illinois is going to look average, just for the simple fact of some I noticed to the NBA. I got my. Uh, I've been reading my college basketball magazines. I will be up on it. If you're a college hoop fan, uh, two guys in a mic show will definitely be for you starting mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow with a little North Carolina Michigan State preview, right? Through March Madness, survive and advance. That's what you got to do at March Madness. North Carolina, by the way, preseason number one team, absolutely loaded with all American talent. Big dog. Uh, and I, sometimes, sometimes you can have too much talent, especially in a sport like basketball. Uh huh. You know, you need those complimentary players, and, and hopefully Roy Williams can round them into shape, North Carolina, but they got a lot of superstars, incoming freshmen. Harris, a lot of guys didn't. One thing I'm finding about reading the college hoops, a lot more talent coming back because of the NBA strike. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the players, like Jared Sullinger, Ohio State, Harrison Barnes in North Carolina, a lot more like them, did not go to the NBA because they knew the strike was coming. So the college hoops loaded with talent this year. Yeah, I know that is a great point, Coach, and and I feel like that's what they, they were. People were being warned all year long. You do not want to go to the NBA if you're early because you might not even get to play basketball mm-hmm. next year. So uh, that's actually that's actually a great point that you bring up. I was going to let you know that like, what you said. Hopefully, North Carolina could be cohesive in what you want. North yeah, Carolina to I did a I did a double take on the hopefully. Okay, I, just, I just thought I'd throw that out there, but yeah. I, I'm going to tell you this: it seems like like when Kansas. Has like way too much talent. They seem to stumble over it. But I don't know North Carolina. When you look at their national title teams, yep. like at the beginning of the year, they were preseason number one. And uh, like if you think about the, that O five team, which which beat what I consider one of the greatest college basketball teams ever in the the, the fight in the line that mm-hmm. particular season. That team, like from day one, they were like, wow, they've got like four guys on their roster that could be the number one overall draft pick. You know, and they actually had one in Marvin Williams, who hasn't really panned out, which is kind of funny. If you remember back to last year, speaking of team chemistry and too many All-American, North Carolina really underachieved early in the season, and then their star guard, the high school quote-unquote All-American, Larry Drew the third, or Larry Drew Jr. There's been a whole heck of a lot of Larry Drews over my uh, time yeah, following back. Larry Drew. <laughs> he left the school, he left the team, and immediately, Immediately that got better, and if you remember a freshman, now he's a sophomore. I think the kid's name is Kendall Marshall. Stepped oh, in yes. and was just outstanding. He'll be fun to watch this year. Yeah, they, you know, and it's funny you said that you get all these stars. Yeah, but if you get one guy who thinks he's the biggest star, yep. If you get you get uh, you get twelve guys on a roster, and there ten of them are McDonald's All Americans, and seven of them have legitimate NBA aspirations. The whole key is to get these guys to realize, hey, you, you got to win on the college level. Okay, it's not all about me, me, me. It's it's more difficult than people might think, because when you get that much talent together, you you get one guy, the like Larry Drew, the wee, and then throws off the whole team. <laughs> what are we going to a remake of Deliverance here? Well, I just like the <laughs> if he's like like if he's Larry Drew, like the ninth, you get yep. like nine eyes behind his name. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Hey, by the way, I got to throw some kudos. I was uh, speaking of survive in advance because I kind of, 
I told him last night, talking about my son David, sophomore in high school, that's what he did last night, trying out for the sophomore basketball team. Made the freshman team last year, dog. Still has not had the growth spurt. I don't know what chromosome he's missing. We didn't feed him a particular vegetable, but the poor kid loves basketball. Pretty good place. Five feet, seven inches tall, 105 pounds. But he did make the sophomore basketball team, and, I, and he was one of those kids on the bubble, on edge. He comes in the door last night, jumping around, flying around, all excited. Great thing, obviously, as a parent to see. But I, I told him, hey, it's just like March Madness. In your basketball career, you, you take one step, you survive and advance, and you move on. Yeah, heck yeah, that's awesome, Coach. Yeah. So congratulations to the Amish. Yeah. I know how much that means. I do know how much that means now. Meanwhile, uh, by the way, my six foot one inch, hundred and seventy five pound seniors uh, having a great time doing stage crew. You know what, Coach? There's always work in that. And no, no, no uh, I'm not criticizing stage crew. It's just you know, if you'd be better if the five seven one hundred five was doing stage crew and the six foot one one seventy five was doing basketball. Stage crew is phenomenal. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, well, and you know what? I'm going to need your son. Actually, we're going to—he might have a job really soon. Okay, like a summer job, hopefully for him. That's what I'm hoping. Well, to have. interesting you bring it up. Interesting you bring it up because he is a, a techie. He's a backstage guy, you know. Uh, and I told my wife, who's you know totally into college and the college app. Okay, he's a senior now. So, you know, really. You know, college is not forever. He doesn't need to go to college. There's jobs out there, and you just. You know, he's, there's nine or ten places he could go to. You probably just throw out a tenth one out there. I'm trying to convince her, and I think way too many people and way too many kids do go to college and pick up these unbelievable debts. I'm not saying college is bad, but I think there's a lot of kids that go to college, especially in the suburbs. You grew up in Downers Grove, similar, that yeah. go to college because, well, that's the thing to do. They don't really think about it. More of them need to question it, and I've got uh, a, a senior in my own household who I'm, of course, when I bring it up, my wife, Stares, you know, stares me a hole like she's staring through a brick wall. Well, yeah, the the only reason why I went to college was to continue to play football. Yeah. But when I was there, I decided to actually get an education. So I actually studied for the first time in my life. It was actually a good option. Mm-hmm. But I also picked up many other habits that I continue to this day. So I don't, you got to be careful. You send your kid away to college, you don't know. They come back a completely and totally, utterly different person. Coach. Yeah. Completely. Well, but, I mean, you know, if you send them okay. away or they go live somewhere and they work for four years and get involved in some organization, they'll come back as a different person, too. You don't have to go to college is, I guess, the I, point I'm trying to make. Oh, my point is, well, my point is, like, you don't just send off the person to college and they come back, like, just educated and good. Some, they, right. they bring back bad habits also yeah. when you send them away to college. Because yeah. i got to tell you, it was like vacation. Yeah. There was no better time. I had four years of freaking vacation. The only time I didn't like college was the times when I was at home during the summer when my mom was like, get a job, get a job. Okay, so first, that was... First two years of college, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe McMurray, the uh, academic institution you attended to was different, but the first two years, you're paying 30000 a year, whatever it is, and most of the classes are your basic, the first two years, you got to do your Spanish, you got to do your math, got to do your English. And the teachers aren't these great professors. The teachers you get are graduate assistants. So there's your first two years right down the hatch. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, well, I don't know about big schools. And, you know, people can make fun of Mac Murray and all that. And I know you aren't at that point, but I was privileged. We had 13 professors to every student at that school. And it was real expensive. It was $25,000 back in 1990. Okay, so uh, 
I got really lucky that way. So I didn't know it was like that. You tell me student assistants are teaching. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't know that. My first two years, I I guarantee I had more grad assistants, basically guys that were about two years ahead of me, three years ahead of me teaching classes than I did actual professors. And and the actual professors, what they teach is like in in Illinois where I went, you know, in a lecture hall with about 400 people. I'd sit in the back. I was hard of hearing, couldn't hear anything anyways. Junior, oh, junior, senior year, it gets better. Real quick, what do you, is it going to hurt Penn State, uh, getting back to Penn State real quick? Is it going to hurt not just their football program, but are some kids, non-sports related, going to shy away from Penn State now just because of the controversy? Coach, I honestly heard this statement like five times yesterday and all the chaos and hours of me watching that was the, the only reason why I went to Penn State was because of Joe Paterno. So yes, I'm going to have to say it. This has definitely put some type of stigma on Penn State, and this will not be their highest year of applications is the best way for me to put it. There's no, This has got to be down. Applications for Penn State are probably dropping considerably. Okay. On the other hand, some kid with not-so-good grades that wanted to go to Penn State, probably couldn't get in, might be a good time to get your application, and there could be some openings. Why not? Okay. Why not? Beautiful. Big dog tomorrow. We'll do our salute to the veterans. We'll talk more. Who knows what the new news will be on Penn State University. And, of course, last and probably least in this case, we will make our beat the schmoes football picks. Oh, no, that will be least, Coach. That's what I said. Probably least. All right. Dog, have a great day. We'll uh, do it tomorrow at 10 o'clock, okay? Later, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Much appreciated. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic signing off back at you 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late. David Olson, producer. Phenomenal job. We'll wait for your picks tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.